Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com. up and rejoice as we start with the song together this morning. It was a glorious day when I met the Lord. I know it was the same for you, so let's sing about that. I was buried beneath my shame. Jesus, when I met you, you 
Let's sing about that. I needed rescue. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love is the enemy. a seat. So great to see you all here this morning. Welcome to Peckway Church. My name is Scott Munson. I am the worship pastor here at Peckway Church, and uh, it's always a great time worshiping with you and coming together to celebrate what the Lord is doing in our hearts and our lives. I want to invite you to look inside of your bulletin this morning. There's a great connection card. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and begin filling that out. Even as I'm talking to you online, there's going to be a connect link that you'll find in the chat window. But uh, this is just a great way for us to be able to open a line of communication and be able to uh, answer any questions you might have about Peckway Church or if you're interested in any ministries, any of those types of things, uh, you can put on the card. And then on the back of the card, there's also a place for your prayer request. Um, I know I say every week, but I mean it. We do love to pray for you guys along with you uh, and for you, and so you can do that on the card. You can also do that online this morning. Also, if you are a first-time guest with us, you can simply uh, just take out your mobile phone and you can text the word hello to 717-872-5679. I'm going to ask Cam to put that on the screen there for us and you guys can see that at home as well. But again, just text the word hello to 717-872-5679. Just a very quick and simple way uh, for us to do that very same thing that you can do with that gray card or through the Connect link this morning. Be sure to follow those Props if you do that, uh, so you can follow through with the text in church there. Um, we are continuing our sermon series. We've been talking about doing family, and ultimately that is about our relationships. And relationships can be hard, right? Um, you know, how is it? In fact, what I want you to do, just take a moment, and I want you to think about, are you an optimist or are you a pessimist? So share with your, your spouse 
They might be able to point you in a different direction. Or your neighbor next to you, but what do you think you are? Are you positive or are you negative? Online, you can do that at home as well. If you don't have anybody there, you can talk to your cat or your dog. It's okay. So go ahead and take a moment to do that, and we'll continue. You guys are quiet. <laughs> Did y'all really talk? <laughs> All right. Well, I thought I said I was a pessimist, but see, I had to I consult it my, with my wife. She says I'm an optimist, so that makes me feel good. So, uh-oh, I'm in trouble now. So, uh, anyway, but yeah. So, so you're thinking, what does that have to do with today's message? Well. You know, Jesus was so good at seeing things in people and building them up and encouraging them, you know, and so it made me think about uh, thermometers versus thermostats. So we're going to watch a video, and I want you to determine which are you. There are two instruments that measure the temperature of an environment the thermometer, and the thermostat. The thermometer just reacts to the temperature of the environment. When the environment heats up, the thermometer goes up. When the environment cools down, the thermometer goes down. But then there's the thermostat. Unlike the thermometer, the thermostat doesn't just read the temperature of the room, it changes the temperature of the room. Thermometers are reactive. Thermostats are proactive. Some people are like thermometers. When it comes to the environmental temperature of the relationships in their life, they simply react to the changes. When a situation gets heated, they get heated. When a situation grows cold, they grow cold. Others, well, they're like thermostats. They don't change with the environment. They change the environment. When others are cold, they warm them up with love. When tempers are hot, they cool them down with peace beyond understanding. So the question is, which one are you? Are you reactive or proactive? Are you a thermometer or a thermostat? The Bible says, don't conform to the patterns of this world. In other words, don't be changed by your environment. Instead, be changed by God's transforming power. Then, like a supernatural thermostat, you won't just change the room, you'll change the world. So, are you a thermostat or are you a thermometer? And so many times I do find myself being a thermometer where I react to things. Uh, you know, I was thinking, why is it so easy to find the negative in things versus the positive? You know, uh, maybe that was the environment that you were raised in, or maybe it's the influence of our world. I don't know, but it's very easy. Um, you can just sometimes look at social media, and people are like angry immediately about things that happen. So, you know, that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If we're Christians and we're following after God, we need to let Him change our hearts and our minds and to transform us to be the people that God's calling us to be. 
And I think uh, that there's no better way than the coming to the ordinance of communion, where we have that relationship with Jesus, where we're reminded of him breaking the bread and pouring out uh, his blood for us, the bread being his broken body and the wine being his blood that he shed for us. And so we're going to do that together now. So I failed to say this in the welcome a while ago. Um, so I'm going to give those online just a moment. If you would like to participate today, go ahead and find, if you have juice in your house, go ahead and get that. Maybe some bread or crackers. It doesn't have to be juice. You can use whatever you have available, even water. But just as we come to this time, the symbolism of what Jesus did for us and how he poured himself out, how he gave himself as a sacrifice for us so that we could have those relationships, so that we could have the power of his spirit in our lives to help us with the healing of broken relationships. So, um, you know, if you are not a member of Pequay Church, that's okay. You can still participate with us today. This is for all Christians um, who have made that decision to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But if you haven't, it's okay. You're in a great place this morning. We're glad you're here. And we would just want to invite you to reflect on where you are in your relationship with Jesus today. And as we uh, do this together, uh, as we are going to celebrate um, doing this, this time, the Lord's Supper or communion, whatever you want to call it today, um, but again, don't feel any pressure uh, if, if you don't know the Lord yet, if you don't have that relationship, just let him speak to you through this time. So, um, so let's begin. Uh, Paul writes that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took bread and when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's go ahead and do the bread portion of our cup. So the body of our Lord Jesus, which was broken for you, take and eat this in remembrance that Jesus died for you. If now you will take the cup. This is the blood of your Lord Jesus, which was shed for you. Drink this in remembrance that Jesus shed his blood for you, and be thankful. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the tremendous love that motivated you to go to the cross for us, God, and to, to shed your blood for us that your body was broken, that you poured out your blood to cover our sins, Father. Thank you for such ultimate love, for such ultimate sacrifice, that we have the joy, the love, the peace, um, God, just all of these things that we can have because of who you are and because of what you've done for us. And Jesus, may we be filled with joy and gratitude and have a passion for serving you today, Lord. Uh, as we think about the relationships that we have with those around us, those in our families, those at work, school, 
in the marketplace, wherever we may go, Father, may we be a reflection of you, Jesus. God, I thank you that you never change, that you tell us that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God, we can bank on those things because you, you have set uh, a firm foundation for us, a solid rock that we can plant our feet on and stand on. So we thank you, Jesus. We continue as we worship together, giving you praise for this relationship that we can have with you and we can continue to have and for everlasting life that you give. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand once again as we continue worshiping today, as we sing about that, that Jesus, that God is the same. He never changes. His promises, he does not break. So let's worship. Just ask the waves if they are stilled at the mention of his name. They'll say, my God is still the same. Ask the walls if they still fall at the mighty sound of praise. They'll say, my God is still the same. When did he break his promise? When did his kindness fail? Never has, never will. My God is still the same. change never has never will my god is still the same just ask the words you prayed in desperation if they're heard they'll say my god is still the same strong enough to keep hope in its chains. It'll say, God is still the same. Yeah. When did he break his promise? When did his kindness fail? Never has, never will. My God is still the same. When did he lose his power? When did his mercy change? Never has, never will. My God Never let go. Not once did he ever stop proving our God is in control. Not once did he ever stop moving. Not once has he ever let go. Not once did he ever stop proving our God is in control. When did he break his promise? When did his kindness fail? Never has, never will. My God is still. My 
still the same. And like I just said, we can always depend on that because even as this next song says that uh, his promises are yes and amen. And so when we trust on, in him, when we say, yes, I will count on you, Lord, he reassures us of that. So stand on faith this morning as we sing that together. I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name.
you pray with us this morning? Father, we thank you that we can count on you. God, that when you say something, you do it. And Father, we thank you for that today. We thank you for, uh, Lord, what you did for us on the cross as we've been reminded today of the communion that we have with you when we're in relationship with you, Father. When we've uh, given our hearts, our lives to you, Jesus, that we can walk in that sweet fellowship. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that you sent when you left, Father, but you sent the Comforter. You sent the one who, who guides us, God. And so we thank you, Father, that as you commune with the Father and the Holy Spirit, and God, as we have that relationship, as we uh, can walk this life, God, with the power uh, that you give us to be able to have restored relationships. And so today, as we look at being family as doing family and the relationships we have with not only uh, our flesh and blood, but those who are our spiritual brothers and sisters and those that we come into contact with as we are in our daily lives, God. Would you help us to, uh, to understand the power of our words today and uh, the healing power that that has? And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. And with Pastor Scott, I just want to join in saying good morning and welcome. And I guess to say to some of you, it's, it's great to be back. It's been three weeks since I was last with you here in the pulpit. And before I move in the morning message, I just want to honestly turn to Pastor Scott and Pastor Chris and say thank you for your leadership. I mean, I've heard nothing but wonderful reports about the Ben Fuller concert, which I was absolutely confident would be the response of you all. And wonderful reports about Pastor Chris, and joking last week aside, uh, not only what did he do a great job, but we've already planned even before last week that Chris will be in the pulpit uh, starting in July for about six weeks. So thank you, Chris, and Scott, wherever you got off to, thank you. And also, I want to say to you as a congregation, thank you for allowing me to be away. I shared with some of you last week that some of you know that the reason I was away was the kids came home and with our grandkids. And I shared with some of you last week that I thought it had been 15 months or so since we had been together as a family here in Lancaster County. But Larry and I got talking this morning. I actually sent a text to the boys because it had been so long, Larry and I weren't sure, and we realized that they have not had all the kids home here in Lancaster County since Callie graduated back in 2019. So it's been three years since we as a family have been able to be together in this context. Now, we've been together in other places and at other times at the kids' house, but it's been three years since we had them home. So thank you, because, you know, in this series, we're talking about family, and it just seemed incredibly incongruent for me to, to be talking about family and then not be there with my kids. And some of you know that I'm a grandfather, and I was talking to another grandfather this week, and he said something that I really agree with. He said, you know, Jerry, most things in life are older, oversold. They're overpromoted, but not being a grandfather. It's everything and more that is promised to be. And so thank you for letting me be away. Thank you for just giving Larry and I the time to just be there with the kids. But again, as Scott says, we're continuing this series, Doing Family. And today I want to get into the message like this. Let me just begin with the survey. And what the survey is about is the type of lessons that you and I have taken in life. So let me just kick it off by asking you, and I want to see a show of hands, how many of you have ever taken some kind of music lesson? Let me just see your hands. Okay, now keep them up because I want Pastor Scott to be able to write down your name. Scott, look around and get them down real quick. 
Okay, uh, enough with that. How, how many of you have ever taken swimming lessons? Let me, let me see your hands again. Just hold them up there. Okay. How about dance lessons? Anyone take dance lessons? Maybe square dancing in high school like I did? Yeah, I, I won't even ask what it was. I'm afraid some of you say you learned the Labata or something. But, you know, dance lessons. How, how about this, folks? Have you ever taken driving lessons, including driver's education in school? Yeah, I have. Most of us have. I'm discovering in Illinois that was optional, which is really scary if you've ever been to Illinois. How about cooking lessons? Anyone ever take cooking lessons, formally, informally? Yeah, again, I'll fight the temptation to ask you to help. But how about this? How about horseback riding lessons? Anyone do that? Yeah, okay, more than I thought. And here's the last one as I look around. Any, anyone take golf lessons as I look at Dr. Phil? <laughs> A few of us. Julie, did it help? <laughs> yeah, so here's the reason I did all that, besides having a little fun and get you participating with me, folks. The reason I did that is because I think it makes it clear that in our culture, in our day, we really do believe in continuing education. Yet with that said, I would suggest to you there's one area in our lives, an important area in our life, that most of us, probably the majority of us, have never had any formal education and training in. You know what that area is? Our relationships. None of us probably have ever taken a class on relationships, and so that's what this series is about, at least in part. It's trying to offset that, to make up for that, to compensate for the fact, because I know with all my heart, just like me, just like Lara, we want, all of us want to function positively in our families, don't we? We want to be a positive impact on our children and our grandchildren, our siblings and our parents. And take a look at what Paul said to the Corinthians about this. He said, love is kind. I want you to take a look at how J.B. Phillips paraphrased that, for he says, love looks for a way of being constructive. In other words, what Phillips is trying to communicate to us and what he believed Paul was trying to say is love looks for a way to improve the lives of the people we care about, the people we love. Or in the context of this series, what he's saying is love looks for a way for you and I to build up our family members, to bring out the best in our family members. And that led Paul to say something else. Take a look at the next verse on your outline. He said, we should consider the good of our neighbor and help build up his or her character. But here's the question I hope you're asking, even already in the message, you're asking yourself, as I've asked myself this week, how do we do that? How do we not only build up our neighbors, but build up those people who are closest to us, who mean the most to us, our family members? How do we really do it? How do we get beyond simply hoping and, and, and going after the best that we know how? How can we be intentional about that? And I would say to you folks, that's what we're going to look at today. Based on God's Word, we're going to take a look and we're going to explore at what you and I can do to develop, to build up the members of our family. And so we're going to look specifically at four things that you and I can give our families, give our sons, our daughters, our husbands, our wives, our parents, our grandparents, things that we can do to bring out their best. And, and maybe to help you, maybe help sell this for some of you, if you're a little bit jaded or a little bit cautious, here's what I would tell you. The four things we're going to look at are four things Jesus did for every single person he ever met. So with that said, let's get into it. Let's take a look at what you and I need to do if we want to build up our family members. And here's the very first thing. The very first thing we need to do is give them a personal challenge. We need to give them a personal challenge. And the reason why is because you know and I know that, that nothing brings out our best like a challenge, like, like a goal. And so Paul wrote this. He said, I urge you to, uh, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. In other words, Paul is looking at the Ephesian Christians and he doesn't want them to waste their lives. 
He wants them to make their lives count, to make a difference with their life. And so he gives them a cause. He gives them a goal, or to use his language, he reminds them of their calling that God has given to him. Because calls, goals, missions, folks, draw out the best in us. It brings out the very best of every one of us. Let me illustrate it this way for you. Back in 1946 to 1948, long before some of us were alive, but back in that time, the greatest football team of all times, the Green Bay Packers, just so we're clear, had a, had a record of about 30 and 10. They only won about 30% of their games between 1946 and 1958. Some of you already know where I'm going. I wish Dave Lava was here because I know Dave would know. And that is, in 1946, a man by the name of Vince Lombardi came on the scene. And with him coming on the scene, in the nine years that he was with the team, they went from a 30% winning record to a 75% winning record. They defeated their opponents 75% of the time. They won five national championships, and they were crowned Super Bowl kings or victors in the first two Super Bowls. Now, here's the reason I share that. We need to ask ourselves, what changed? What, what turned a losing team into an incredible winning team into a dynasty? The answer, quite obviously, you probably already figured it out if you don't know, if you don't, have never followed the Packers, it was Vince Lombardi. Because Vince Lombardi had this incredible capacity to bring out the best in his players by issuing personal challenges. Now again, here's the reason I share that. Let me apply it, folks. Every one of us, you and me, every one of us need a Coach Lombardi in our lives. All of us need someone in our lives to challenge us and inspire us to bring out the very best in us, but it doesn't stop there. As it relates to our message this morning, folks, every one of us not only need a Coach Lombardi, but every one of us needs to be a Coach Lombardi in our families. Every one of us needs to be that person in our family, a husband, a wife, a parent, a child who challenges the others, who inspires them into the greatness that God placed in them, to live the life that God created them to live. And here's what I want us to understand about that, because you probably hear that and say, but Jerry, I have no idea where to bring the inspiration. I have no idea where to bring the challenge. So let me help you with that. The way we discern where the challenge needs to come and where the inspiration needs to come is by looking at the gifts and the abilities that God has placed in the life of that family member. Does that make sense? We, we look at what God has shaped them with and gifted them with. Take a look at how Paul said it. He said, God has given each of you special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to the others God's many kinds of blessings. So here's what we need to understand. The way you and I discern where we need to offer the inspiration, where we need to offer the challenge to our family members, where we begin to discern God is working and wants to work and God wants to be active in their life is by looking at the gifts, the competencies, and the skills that God has given them. We look, at, to go back to Proverbs, it really is as parents, especially for our children, we bring up in a child in the way that he or she should go, the way that God has shaped them and gifted them. That's how we discern it. And here's the thing, folks. I, I want to make sure we don't miss this because Pastor Chris talked about it last week. We not only need to do that for our biological family members, we also need to do that for our spiritually family members. Because if you're here last week, you remember that Pastor Chris, help us understand that God's plan for the church is for it to be a place where you and I help one another discover and develop into the person that God created us to be, to, to live into the potential that God has placed in us. And, but for that to happen, 
You and I have to get to that place where we're willing to provide personal challenges to one another, to call each other, to inspire one another, to live a life worthy of the calling that God has placed in our life. So that's the first thing we need to do. We need to offer and issue personal challenges. Here's the second thing we need to do for our family members to build them up. We must give them an increasing confidence. We must give them increasing confidence. Take a look at what Paul says to the Romans. He says, we who are strong in the faith ought to help the weak in order to build them up. Now, here's the reason I share that, folks, because you know and I know when someone who is spiritually more mature than we are, when someone is chronologically more mature than we are, and they believe in us, that gives us confidence, doesn't it? That, that brings out the best in us because we, we, we have this new and inspired courage and confidence because of their belief in us. And that's why I really believe when Andrew brought his brother Simon to meet Jesus, John tells us this. It's not there in your outline. You could look it up. But Jesus looked, and I'll be paraphrasing, but Jesus looked at, at Simon, Simon Peter, and said to him, you are Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas. And John tells us antithetically there in, in his trans or in his record that, that that name Cephas in Greek means Peter, and it literally means to you and to me, rock. And, and so here's what we need to understand. The reason I share that story. Jesus, when, when Andrew brought Simon to Jesus, he looked at him and he said, I'm going to give you a new name. And that new name I'm going to give you is the rock. Now, given today's culture, I think that's a pretty cool name. But he called him the rock. But Simon was anything but a rock at that point in his life. He was unpredictable and he was undependable. And yet Jesus still looked at him and said, you are the rock. Now why? Why would Jesus do that? I believe it's because Jesus was not as interested in telling Simon who he was as much as he was interested in telling Simon who he could be. And the reason why, folks, is whenever you and I speak into someone's life, not just simply telling them who they are, but who they can be, it increases their confidence. Now let me stand that on its head and let me say this to you, and you moms and dads and parents know this to be true, even some of us have experienced this as a child, that folks, when somebody chooses instead to focus on who we are, when we say as a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, whoever it is, a neighbor, we look at a child and we say, you're lazy. Or worse yet, you're stupid. You're unmotivated. You're undisciplined, folks. That undermines their confidence and their belief that they ever can change, that they can ever be different. So I want to encourage you, folks, don't, don't, don't make the decision. Don't try to motivate children, your family members, by telling them what they are. Instead, tell them what they can be because that increases confidence. That's why I believe with all my heart that Paul said this. He said, encourage one another and build each other up. And the reason Paul said that is because I know that he knew that, and you know that there's tremendous power, tremendous power in encouragement and affirmation. I had a professor that drove that home as, a, as an undergraduate student early on in my college education, and I'd only been a Christian about two years at that point. I remember having a professor stress that to us in class, and he encouraged us and he, with all that he could to make sure that we kept an encouragement file. In other words, what he was saying to us, the young men and young women going to ministry, he says, you go into ministry, anytime you receive a, a note, a letter, now we would say an email, if I was teaching the class today in our culture, in our time, he'd say, file it away, keep it, 
even if it's only mildly encouraging. And I took that to heart, I began to do it. And so even if, even if I get a, a note or a letter or an email that's only mildly encouraging, I file it away. Let me give you an example. The week I was gone on vacation, Pastor Chris sent me an email and it said this. It said, nice try in last Sunday's sermon. And I thought, I'll take it. I can work with that. And the reality is, folks, even if, if a note or a letter is mildly encouraging, I file it away. And you know why I do that. And you know why my professor told me to do that. He told me to do that, and, and the reason I do that is that on days when I'm discouraged, and there are days like that, when days I, I'm feeling defeated and going, why am I in ministry? Why do I keep doing this? I could take out those letters, those notes, those emails, and I could be reminded. And I want to tell you folks, I read both those letters over and over and over again. And the reason I do, folks, is because it reminds me at least some point in my life and some point in my ministry, my wife and my mother appreciated my ministry. Now, again, all joking aside, folks, all, in all seriousness, here's the reason I share that. Folks, all of us, all of us need people in our lives who encourage us. We need people in our lives who affirm us, especially people in our families. In other words, let's go back to Simon and Jesus. We need people in our lives like Jesus was in Simon's life who believes in us more than we believe in ourselves who sees in us more than we see ourselves. We need people in our life who honestly want to see us succeed more than we even want to succeed ourselves. You know what I'm talking about? So let me ask you a question. Can your family members say that about you? Your biological family members, your spiritual family members, can people in your life say, you know what, and they point you out and say, you know what, dad believes in me more than I believe in myself. Mom wants me to succeed more than I want to succeed myself. Can the people in your life your biological brothers and sisters, your spiritual brothers and sisters, can those people say that to you? Would they say it about you? Because folks, listen to me. If we want to bring out the best in our family members, be it a spouse, be it a sibling, be it a parent, be it a grandparent, be it a cousin, it doesn't matter, any family member, folks, if we want to bring out the best in them, we need to begin by first issuing a challenge, but then it's absolutely essential that we tell them, we look at them and say, you know what, I know you can do it. I believe in you. I see potential in you that you don't even see in yourself that God has placed there, and I'm pulling for you. So that's the second thing we need to do. The third thing we need to do to build up our family members is we must give them honest counsel. We must give them honest counsel. And now, having said that, folks, let me, let me, and I don't think this is so much going to be new, is it so much counterintuitive to our culture today, but let me just give you three basic principles about personal growth and development, about building ourselves and other people up. Here's the first principle. There is no progress without learning. There's absolutely no progress in your life or mine without learning. The second principle is this. There is no learning without honest feedback. Honest feedback is essential to, to progress in your life and mine. And here's the third. Because none of us are perfect, then we all need people in our lives and we need people in our families who love us enough to give us honest counsel and, if you will, even correction. Solomon put it like this. Take a look at the next few verses in the outline. He said, people learn from one another just as iron sharpens iron. And then the next verse, take a look at that. He says, an honest answer is a sign of a true friendship. Now folks, that I know for many of us seems almost, excuse me, counterintuitive because we really have been duped into believing that friends tell us what we want to hear. 
But I want to tell you, folks, a true friend doesn't just tell us what we want to hear. More importantly, a true friend tells us what we need to hear, whether we like it or not. They, they speak to us in love. In other words, a true friend, a, a loving family member will look at us if they really believe it and say, I think you're making a mistake. I'm concerned about the direction you're headed. I'm concerned about the things you're doing. And that's why Solomon was able to say this. The next verse in reality says, friends mean well even when they hurt you. Friends mean well even when they hurt you because here's what Solomon's getting at. Here's what we need to understand. True friends and loving family members care enough to give us honest counsel and to correct us even when it's not pleasant for them. Even when it's painful for us. Because that's what love looks like. That's what it means to be a true friend. Here's my point. Here's the reason I show all that, folks. Correction done right truly can build you up and build me up. It can help us go to that next level. It can help us become the man or the woman that God created us to be. But we need to understand that on the other side, when correction is done wrong, it can tear us down. In fact, it can even scar us in life. It can leave us broken and bleeding and hurting. And so here's the point, folks. It's absolutely essential that you and I do correction right in the right way, that we handle it appropriately. And let me just help us understand what that looks like, because I know many of us, myself included, can get in tied in knots about that and over that. So let me help you understand what separates the right approach to correction and the wrong approach to correction. And it really is this simple. It's our attitude. It's our motivation. In other words, when we correct, we need to ask ourselves, am I saying this? Am I considering offering honest counsel? Am I considering offering correction because of what it'll do for me? Or because of what it'll do for that family member? And we need to answer that question honestly because I want to tell you what human tendency apart from the grace of God is. Human tendency apart from, from God's working, bringing truth and looking at ourselves with honesty and integrity, folks. The tendency is for you and I to offer correction for what it'll do for us instead of what it'll do for them. In other words, you know what, I, I want it, they hurt me and so I want to give them a peace of mind. They disappointed me so I want to set them straight. They, they, they embarrassed the family so I'm going to let them know what I think, folks. We are, when we do that, that is the wrong motivation for correction. It's the wrong motivation, folks, for us to be giving honest feedback because it really isn't being honest. And so the reality is, folks, we need to step back and we need to ask ourselves, why am I going to say what I'm going to say? Is it for their benefit or is it for my benefit? Because the reality is, folks, anything short of the right motivation for correction spells disaster. That's why Paul said this, speaking the truth in love, we must grow up. In other words, what Paul wants us to understand is when we love somebody, whether it's a family member or a friend, anyone, when we love them, we are committed to speaking the truth in love. In other words, we're committed to telling them what they need to know and not giving them what we simply think they deserve, whether that's a piece of our mind or being set straight or pointing out where they made the mistakes. Our desire is to speak the truth in love. And so let me give you, and it really is simple, it's, it's pretty straightforward, but let me give you the key to correction. Those of us who are grandparents, parents, just working with, with students, working with other people, let me give you the key to correction. Here it is. Affirm the person, correct the behavior. Affirm the person, correct the behavior. And folks, I would say to you, that principle applies whether we're, we're dealing with a child, whether we're talking to a spouse, whether we're talking to a sibling, or some other member of our family. Whenever we're bringing uh, honest counsel and we're offering correction, we must affirm the person. 
and then correct the behavior. Let me, let me give you an, a, a true-to-life illustration of this from a child psychologist who works with children who are struggling with delinquency. And here's how she kind of netted out the principle. Here's what she wrote. She said, let's say your child, as most children do at some point, engaged in some petty theft, perhaps stealing some candy. If you say to him, now we know what you are. You're a thief, and we'll be watching you. She writes, it's quite likely that the stealing will continue and quickly graduate from stealing candy to stealing cards. However, she said, on the other hand, if we react with both grace and firmness, gentleness, by saying to, to him, son, that wasn't like you at all. Now, we're going to have to go back to the store and, and, and clear things up, but we're not going to make a big deal about it because we know you know that what you did was wrong, and I'm sure you'll never do it again. And she said, based on my experience after that sort of approach, the typical child will stop their stealing. And she said, this is what I want you to notice. She said, the reason why is because the truth was spoken to them in love. And so the third thing we must do, folks, if we're going to build up our family members, is we must be willing to give them honest counsel. Not just tell them what they want to hear. We need to share with them in love what they need to hear. And that leads me to the last thing that we need to do, and that is we need to give them full credit. We need to give them full credit. Because if we want to build up our family members, whether it's a son, a daughter, or a spice, it doesn't matter who it is. If we want to build up our family members, it's absolutely imperative, folks, that we affirm and we give them praise over the growth that we see taking place in their lives, the progress that we see we, they're making. For Paul said this, let us <clears throat> have real warm affection for each other and a willingness to let others have the credit. I would suggest to you, based on that verse and my own personal observation, my own personal study, one of the surest signs of emotional and spiritual maturity is our willingness to accept responsibility for a failure and to give away the credit for a success. Does that make sense? That is, for me, is one of the clearest signs and the sure sign of emotional and spiritual maturity. So let me ask you a question. For all of us, how quickly do we take the blame and give away the credit? See, again, our tendency, apart from the grace of God working in our life, our bent is to take the credit and give away the blame, right? To pass the buck. As I've said to you before, our tendency is to accuse others and excuse ourselves. That's human nature, left apart from the redemption of God working in our life. And so we need to ask ourselves, how quickly am I willing to take responsibility for a failure and give away the credit for success? In other words, what Paul is saying to us here is the secret to you and I helping others truly feel good about themselves, to truly build someone up, is we need to show genuine love and affection, what he says there. We need to show genuine, authentic affection, affection which can be seen abundantly in our willingness to accept the blame and share the credit. And, and the reason Paul says that is because honestly, you know and I know, that is the exact opposite of our natural tendencies. Our tendency is to do just the opposite. Now, having said all that, here's what I want you to consider. I want you to think about for a second. When you and I stop and actually think about what it takes for you and I to build up our family members, I mean, the idea of giving them a personal challenge, increasing their confidence, providing them honest counsel and feedback, and ultimately giving them the credit that they deserve. I don't know how you react to that, but when I think about it, folks, that feels like a lot of work. 
It feels like a pretty significant challenge, and the reason why it is, because folks, there is a cost, there is a price to being a people builder. It requires of you, and it requires me our time. It requires you and me our self-discipline. It requires our effort. It requires our energy. But most of all, it requires our selflessness. Because in those moments, we're putting the family members' needs and, and, and life ahead of our own. So the question we might be asking, and many people do, is so why do it? Why spend the energy? Why, make the, why, why count the cost? And the, answer, the best answer I give you for that, to that question, is given to us by the Hebrew writer who in chapter 10, verse 24, writes this. In response to all God has done for us, let us outdo each other in being helpful and kind to each other. In other words, what the Hebrew writer is saying to you and is saying to me is God has set the standard for how we treat other people. And that standard is how he treats you and me. How he already interacts with us. And so the argument really he is making, and I would make to you this morning, the kindness that we show to other people, that effort to build them up and to invest in them, is simply reflecting, and honestly is our genuine response to what God has done for us. That's really why we do it. Back in the very first century, when Christianity was just exploding on the scene, people in the Roman Empire often confused the word Christos with the word Christos. Now, the word Christos with an I or a Yoda, not a Yoda, but a Yota, uh, with the I literally means Christ. But Christos with an E means kindness. Now, grammatically, that's an easy mistake to make, right? I mean, it's just one letter. But the reason I share that, folks, if there ever was to be a synonym somewhere, it ought to be being kind in being a Christian. And so, folks, when you and I give our family, when we make the conscious choice to give them honest counsel, and we make a conscious choice to give them a challenge and to increase their confidence and ultimately give them full credit, folks, I would suggest to you what we're doing is being truly kind to them. Because what we're doing in that moment is doing for them what God has done for us. We are building them up. We are helping them live out this calling that God has given them to live out and become the creation that God has made them to be. So here's what I want to challenge you with as I close, including myself, folks. I want to challenge us today to make building up our family members a priority, to make it a goal in your life and mine. In other words, what I want to challenge us to do this morning is to say, you know what, I'm committing myself to bring out the best in my spouse, in my siblings, in my kids, in my parents, in my other family members, my in-laws and my outlaws. Because in doing so, folks, the reality is not only does our family benefit, but believe it or not, we also benefit. Or take a look at what Solomon says. He says, you do yourself a favor when you're kind. Or as the NIV translates it, it says, those who are kind benefit themselves. So here's my point, folks. By building up our families, we're actually built up too. And so the reason I so feel so good about and, and challenge you and challenge me uh, to be a person who builds up my family, to build up your family, is because it really is the ultimate win-win scenario. Because not only will your family benefit, but you will benefit as well. Let's bow our heads for prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I, I really want to take just a little bit of different tack this morning, and that is I want to invite you to just reflect on some questions this morning. 
I just want to ask you two or three questions and just give you space and time to reflect. So here's the first question. Are you willing to commit to building up your family members? In other words, are you willing to say in your heart, I want to be a people builder in my family? Take a moment and just answer that for yourself honestly. Am I willing to commit to being a people builder in my family? Now, if you are, I want to encourage you this week to make some time to write down the strengths of every single family member that, that you feel like you could have influence with, and then go to them sometime this week and share with them the strengths that you believe God has placed in their lives. And then after doing what I am positive will be a, a, an affirming, encouraging time in their life and in your life, then I want to challenge you to challenge them to become who you believe God created them to be. To, to truly live into that calling that God has placed in our life. Because here's what we need to understand. It, with your heads bowed, folks. God's will, God's plan is for you and me to build up our family members. That's not the question. The question that we need to grapple with this morning is, will we pay the price to do it? So that's the first question. Will you commit to building up your family members? The second question I want you to grapple with and answer in the integrity of your own heart is simply this. <clears throat> Who can you help come to know Jesus? Who in your family can you help become the person God is calling them to be? Because remember, remember, the reason I ask that question, folks, is the greatest kindness that any of us can show any of our family members is to help them know and then grow in the relationship with Jesus. So I want to give you a second right now, just, just a few moments to just ask yourself, who can I help come to know to Jesus? Or who can I help become the person God is calling them to be? Because I promise you, if you'll ask those questions, God will lay family members' names and faces on your heart. So ask God those two questions. The final question I want us all to grapple with is, is a personal one to simply say, do I need to ask Jesus to come into my heart and help me become who is calling me to be? Folks, if you've never done that, if you've never entered into that relationship, you, you've never opened yourself up to the power of the Holy Spirit in your life because that's the only way you're ever going to be able to consistently, repeatedly be a people builder in your life is through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the grace of Jesus flowing into your own life, then I want to encourage you right now, get out of the starting gate and just say to Jesus right now, come into my life. Help me to discover and fulfill your calling on my life. Say to him, I want to know you and follow you. Again, I'll give you just a moment to do that. Just If you've never done it before, come to know Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our families, the gift of children, the gift of husbands, wives, parents, grandparents, siblings. 
And our prayer this morning is simply this, help us build them up. We ask you to give us the courage to offer to them honest counsel and personal challenges. But Father, we also ask you to give the compassion to us that we need to give them increasing confidence and full credit for the growth and changes that are taking place in their life or that we will see take place in their life. In short, Father, what we do this morning is we're asking you to help us show our family members the same love and compassionate grace that you have and you continue to show each and every one of us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jerry. We had a challenging message today, I would say, wouldn't you? This was uh, definitely something that I think um, maybe many of us struggle with. And there's many things that I think uh, we could maybe, how God spoke to us differently in this message today. Um, so, but you know, maybe you thought about those questions that Jerry just asked you. And um, we, again, as a staff, we, we count it an honor and a privilege to pray along with you. So if you have people that came to your mind, if you would be willing to share them with us this week, uh, we will pray with you guys and, um, and pray that you would have the courage or that God would bring to your mind those things about family members that you see in them that, uh, that, you know, that you can talk to them about, that God is calling them to, and they just need that encouragement. And Jerry would never tell you this, but he is that person. Uh, you know, we have these meetings each week, and Jerry sees things in me, and he'll call those out in me, and he'll challenge me. And that is such, uh, it's a really great thing to, to have. So he's, he's my coach Lombardi there. So, you know, who could you be that uh, for somebody um, maybe you want prayer for that as well. So, or maybe when you got to that part uh, in the message where he talked about, um, you know, maybe a family member or a teacher or someone wounded you and they said things that are still in you that, um, that are blocking you from having that full, abundant life that Jesus talks about. Um, maybe you need to talk to a counselor. But if you want prayer for those things, let us know. We would love to be able to partner with you or get you resources, whatever you might need. Um, but uh, those things, maybe God brought to your mind this morning uh, as you were listening to this message. So take the opportunity to write that on the card. You can do that online as well. I'm going to ask our host to put that connect link back there in the window, in the chat window. Uh, but again, we would love to do that. And then as we're talking about building up and encouraging and helping uh, people come to know Jesus, we have a great opportunity to be able to do that. Uh, and that is to support uh, the youth as they're getting ready to go to camp. I know for the last couple of weeks, we've had the table out in the, in the lobby that, um, that there's envelopes there. If you would like to help get these kids to camp so that they can hear God's word and that they can have these encouraging and build up moments in their lives. And so I know so far we've, we've collected $1,600. They need $3,500. I'm sorry, their goal is $3,500. So the need is $1,900. And today is the last day uh, to be able to do that with the envelopes and to help them out. So 
Um, we're going to pray as we dismiss, and we'll pray over that offering. We'll pray for what the need is that the kids have. But if God has laid on your heart, how can I help build up others? Maybe this is one of those opportunities to do that today. So, um, so I encourage you to do that as we leave. But let's pray. We'll be dismissed after that. It's been great to worship with you. Thank you again for being here, and we'll be dismissed after the prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, for the, for, uh, Lord, just the encouragement that we've had today, uh, Lord, as we see how we can build up those in our families, in our relationships, in our lives. Um, we thank you for those people who are our coaches, who see those things in us, who help us um, and come alongside us. But maybe uh, we're on the other side of that, that we need somebody to be that for some, for some of us. And so today I pray that you would bring those people uh, into their lives. God, as we think about the opportunities that we have to be able to bless others and to help them hear your word and to build them up, Father, I pray over this offering uh, that we have for, for the youth today, God, with these envelopes. Lord, would you provide for them and the needs that they have to help uh, young people get to camp? And Lord, just for our, our own offering, for the, the ministries we have here at Peckway Church, thank you for the gifts that, we, that people give, Lord, for how you encourage us to do that. And Lord, and just encourage us as we step out in faith to trust you with the finances that you give us. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.